There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. Our world has, for hundreds of years, been plagued by the dark marks of racism. An issue that can be clearly seen, especially now, affecting all aspects of the world that we are living in. On September 13, 1990, a young girl went missing from an Aboriginal community in New South Wales. She became the first in three seemingly unsolved murder cases that has Indigenous people in the area screaming racism and foul play. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On September 13, 1990, a 16-year-old girl named Colleen Walker was in Bowerville, New South Wales, Australia, visiting relatives when she decided to attend a party in an Aboriginal community called The Mission. She was last seen alive, well, and enjoying herself, walking away from a group of partygoers, presumably ready to call it a night. She never returned home. Worried something horrible had happened, Colleen's family reported her missing to the police, who, for whatever reason, decided not to take their concern seriously. No action was taken, and they refused to help set up a formal search party. To this day, Colleen's body has never been found, though pieces of her clothing were found weighed down in the Nabucco River. As if this family didn't experience enough heartbreak, less than a month later, on October 4, 1990, Evelyn Greenup, Colleen Walker's four-year-old cousin, disappeared after a party at her grandmother's house. As her bedtime approached, Evelyn's mother tucked her into bed, only to find her missing the next morning. According to Evelyn's grandmother, she heard the young girl cry out in the middle of the night, but thought nothing of it at the time, probably assuming that she'd been woken up by the same thing that wakes up most young children, nightmares. But the nightmare really settled in on April 27th, 1991, when a small set of skeletal remains were found in a bushland near Congarini Road. Due to her high level of decomp, a true cause of death could never be determined, though her skull showed signs of, quote, forceful penetration by a sharp instrument. As the Aboriginal community started to wonder what was happening to their young girls, on January 31st, 1991, 16-year-old Clinton Speedy DeRoe, went missing after attending a party at the mission. His body was found on February 18th, near the same road that Evelyn's skeletal remains would be found a month later. He was wrapped in a blanket and a pillow slip. Clinton, like the other two victims, showed signs of head trauma. When interviewed about her cousin's disappearance, Helen said that she knew Clinton had met a dark fate when they realized that he didn't take his shoes with him saying Clinton was very, very fussy about always having his shoes wherever he went. With his death came the harsh reality that someone was targeting Aboriginal parties and individuals in the Beauville area, hence the name, the Beauville Murders. The killer, whoever he or she was, had taken the lives of three very young individuals over the course of just five months. And on top of being devastated by the loss and worried about the other children in their community, the indigenous adults in the area did little to mask their anger with the system. They knew something terrible was happening starting all the way back in the beginning and were never really taken seriously. 
Evidence was washed off and lost, calls brushed off and worries ignored. Crying out for justice, the community shattered their beliefs that if this were a group of three white victims, this case would have already been solved. In fact, when questioned about Clinton's disappearance prior to his body being discovered, the police simply said he had, quote, gone walkabout, a term that a number of sources claim police used for Colleen as well. As for Evelyn, they didn't even file a missing persons report on the four-year-old. Now, between the discovery of Clinton and Evelyn's remains, a local Boerville man was arrested for the murder of Clinton Speedy DeRoe. A well-known white man in the community, the 25-year-old had attended parties in the mission just like the victims of the Boerville murders. Then, while out on bail on October 16, 1991, he was arrested for a second time for the murder of Evelyn Greenup. Unfortunately for the families who desperately wanted answers, the man's charges were based solely on some pretty slim circumstantial evidence. And on February 18, 1994, the third anniversary of Clinton's remains being found, this unnamed man was acquitted of his charges and later dismissed of the charges in relation to Evelyn's murder. Back at square one, the New South Wales Police Commissioner, Peter Ryan, decided to set up a task force in 1997 dedicated to solving the Boerville murders. In February of 2004, the New South Wales coroner reopened the inquest into Evelyn and Colleen's murders. And on September 10th, 2004, recommended that the man from the original trial be tried again for Evelyn's murder. He was charged and his trial started in February of 2006. Unfortunately, despite the prosecution producing two supposed confessions from this man, he was acquitted of the charge on March 3rd, 2006. The fact that this man, shrouded in animity, has not been convicted of the murders is a great source of pain, bitterness, and earned distrust amongst the indigenous community. According to sources close to the case, Clinton was last known to have been staying with his girlfriend in a yellow caravan used by this supposed suspect on the morning of February 1st, just 17 days before his body was discovered. And that pillowcase found on his body? It came from that same caravan. The blanket and pillowcase were both supposedly washed by local police, destroying any and all evidence that may have been there. According to a family member of one of the victims, quote, that guy's family had money. They were an old family with old money, and that impacted the way police treated the investigation. We were just a black mob. They didn't care about us. These people had money and prestige around town. It was like, how dare you blame this guy? What's wrong with you? After his newest acquittal, the police minister raised a reward of $250,000 for information leading to a conviction of the persons responsible. This was $150,000 more than was previously offered. That same year, changes were made to the double jeopardy legislation in New South Wales, allowing for this unnamed suspect to be retried if, quote, fresh and compelling evidence was recovered. Ten years passed with little to no progress. Then in 2016, the detective inspector leading the investigation made moves to call for another retrial based on new evidence, a retrial that, according to the suspect, he was happy to partake in. While police prepared to charge him for a fourth time, friends and families of the victims protested in front of the parliament building, begging for legislative change. 
In February of 2017, the suspect was charged yet again, and the attorney general applied to the Court of Criminal Appeals for a retrial. The hearing for this application started in November, and 14 days later, the court dismissed the application, claiming that none of the new evidence was, quote, fresh and compelling enough. Claiming that all of the evidence needed to convict was available during his early trials and was, therefore, not fresh meaning this man could not be retried for these murders again. And on March 22nd, 2019, the High Court of Australia refused the Attorney General's appeal of the Court of Criminal Appeals decision. Outside the courtroom, devastated family members and strangers yelled out in frustration, with one man yelling, you have to have money in this place if you want justice. From the looks of this case and its timeline, it appears that he may be right. Three decades have passed, and though they feel confident that they know who is responsible for the tragic deaths, the families are no closer to seeing justice served, due in large part to a flawed investigation tainted by the stench of racism. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on September 14th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.